welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. Please stand by. Our service will begin shortly. Stand by. Our service will begin shortly. Right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this morning. It's wonderful to be with you all here in God's house once again on Sunday, the Lord's Day, to worship Him and most especially to receive from Him His wonderful gifts of word and sacrament that He has so graciously planned for us here this morning. Please stand where you are and give a howdy wave to everybody who was near you, even those who are far from you, and say hello today. Good morning, and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. I am Darren Shane, your announcer for the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today's message. Assisting in the worship service today is lay minister Bruce Sletton and the organist Mrs. Courtney Sletton. Today's uh, order of... Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for this Lord's day. Lord, we ask that as we worship you now, that you would give us a zeal in the house Lord, truly better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
please stand. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved of the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart, and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I come forth. miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them, and I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, simple being. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. So then, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We sing our opening hymn, Earth and All Stars. It's number 817, verses 1, 2, and 3. Today's order of service is at www.trinity1874.com. The radio broadcast for today is sponsored by St. John's Lutheran Church, Stones Prairie, and dedicated to the glory of God. May God bless us as we worship together.
will bless the Lord at all times. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. Those who look to him are radiant. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, preserve us from all harm and danger that we being ready in both body and soul may cheerfully accomplish what you want done. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes from Job chapter 38. The Lord said to Job, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. 
Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? That I might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare, if you know all this. This is the word of our Lord. Fear the Lord, you his saints. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 10. Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The Lord is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. The, the boat, by this time, was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. We sing the hymn of the day, which is, Lord, take my hand and lead me. It's number 722. Will you all pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this morning from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's meditation is the gospel lesson that was just read from Matthew chapter 14, the account, Matthew's account, of Jesus walking on the water. There is a story in Mark chapter 4 that is very similar to this one. It's when Jesus is in the disciples asleep. I'm sorry, he is in the boat with the disciples asleep on the boat, and this great storm 
arises and the disciples are freaking out even though the creator of the wind and the rain is right there asleep on the cushion with them in the same boat. The disciples are freaking out and they're saying, Lord, help us. Lord, save us. And Jesus wakes up. I, I oftentimes wondered how he woke up. He was just like, oh my gosh. Go away, you know. I, I'm not sure how, that, how all that worked out. But. So Jesus wakes up and he calms the wind and the waves. He says, quiet, be still. And everything was still and everything was calm. And Jesus has a very similar question to the disciples as he does to Peter after he begins to sink in the water. O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Interestingly, in Mark chapter 4, the story that Mark records that is immediately before this one is the parable of the mustard seed and how even a faith that is as small as a mustard seed, which is pretty small, even that faith, God can take that faith and grow it into this really, really large tree that is big enough for the birds of the air to sit on. In our text again for today, it is similar to the account of Jesus calming the storm, but it is not exactly the same. And the difference lies in what the disciples are afraid of. In the previous account from Mark chapter 4, the disciples are afraid of the storm that has come up and the boat is beginning to sink. And so they're beginning to really, really, obviously they're really beginning to get worried. But in this account from Matthew chapter 14, the disciples, even though the wind is sort of beating against their boat, the disciples we are led to believe are probably handling it pretty well and everything as far as that is concerned is going fine up until about the hours between 3 and 6 a.m., which is the fourth watch of the night. And the disciples really get freaked out because they see this person walking to them on top of the water and they think at first that it's a ghost. But it is in fact their Lord, the one that they have been with for so long by this time. And so we're going to walk, pun intended, through the text this morning. So look at it with me. Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Now, remember, this happens right after the feeding of the 5,000, which we talked about last week. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and to fish. He refuses to send them away hungry, tells the disciples, no, you give them something to eat, which they do by, of course, his gracious hand. So now, Matthew records in chapter 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Remember, in the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples begged him to dismiss the crowds so that they could go in, into town and get themselves something to eat. Well, obviously Jesus wasn't ready yet. When he's good and ready, Jesus finally dismisses the crowds, which he does in, in verse 22. Verse 23, and then after he, had sorry, uh, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, again, that's between the hours of 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they're 
response is important because we're going to see how Jesus re responds in kind to their fear. They see him walking on the sea, number one, they are terrified. They said it is a ghost, and, and then they, they cry out in fear. And notice how it, in verse 27, Jesus responds to their fears and how they react to that fear in kind. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. In the Greek, this is translated as it is I am, the name for God that he gave to Moses when Moses asked God what his name was. So not only take heart, it is I, but take heart, it is I, it is I am, it is God. And finally, do not be afraid. So Jesus responds in kind, almost exactly to the way that his disciples cry out in their fear. And then we get to verse 28, and impetuous Peter. <laughs> Peter answers him and says, Well, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, Come. At this point, it is important to make mention of the fact that this is Peter's idea. It's not Jesus' idea for Peter to come out to him on the water. We're not told that Jesus said, hey, just so that, um, just so that you guys can have some more proof, Peter, why don't you come on out here and walk on the water with me? No, 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 no. By all accounts, when Jesus says, walking on the water, by the way, when Jesus says to the disciples, of which Peter was there to hear, take heart, it is I, I am, do not be afraid, that should have been enough for Peter. But it wasn't. Peter needs more proof. So, Lord, if it's you, because I kind of believe that it is, but I'm not exactly sure, even though you're walking on the water and you said, it, take heart, it is I am. If it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus says, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water and comes to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter gets himself in this predicament. He starts to doubt. His faith wanes. It gets really, really small. And then he begins to sink. And then what does he do? Lord, save me. I'm stuck. Again, whose idea was it to come out on the water? It wasn't Jesus' idea. It was Peter's idea. Jesus, and then Jesus' response is, should, be, should never, ever be lost on us. Whenever the words, whenever you see these two words together, Jesus immediately or immediately Jesus, take note and pay attention. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Notice what Jesus didn't do. Does he let him sink? No. Although he had every reason to, he should have believed Jesus in the first place. Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid, it is me, Jesus, who is coming to you walking on the water. But it wasn't enough for Peter, and so he begins to... He, he sees the wind, he feels it around him, he thinks, oh no, th this is bad, and he begins to sink. And Jesus doesn't let him sink. 
All of these stories, these last three Sundays of these accounts of Jesus that we have been going through, like the rest of Scripture in its entirety, all three of these stories are connected. Two weeks ago, we talked about the uh, we talked about Jesus's compassion. Last week, we talked about Jesus's authority. In his compassion for Peter, even though he doubted, even though he tested Jesus, in his compassion, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and pulled him back up. He says to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got it into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat, wor- and, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, and they, they, they have this confession. And remember, Matthew has a very specific purpose for why he is writing his Gospels. He is writing it to the Jewish people to prove to them that Jesus is who he says that he is. So it's no coincidence at all that Matthew includes this bit from verse 33, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are who? You are the Son of God. That that part is in there on purpose. Now, Before we get too harsh on Peter, let's look at some of the similarities, two in particular with regards to this particular story. Let's look at the similarities between Peter and us. Oh no. How's this going to go? Well, how many of us, don't raise your hand, we will protect the guilty here. How many of you when you have just decided to go your own way, regardless of what you, regardless of what you know that God has told you to do, you have, re, you have just gone ahead and gone your own way, and then once you have gone your own way, you find yourself really stuck, and you begin to sink, and then suddenly, what's your next prayer? It sounds a lot like, Lord, save me, doesn't it? It does. I've done it too. Be prepared for the consequences of such an action. And how often, the second thing, how often do we, like Peter, need more proof from God? Every single one of us in this room can point back to at least one, at least one, at least one instance in their life when they can look back and say, you know what, God... God was with me then. God was with me there. Every single one of us can. And my guess is is that every single one of us can probably point to many instances in our lives where we can point back and say, God was with us on this one. And yet, when push comes to shove and the next thing happens, what do we do? We freak out. And we worry. And suddenly, God, we sort of treat God as, well, God, I, I, what have you done for me lately? We may not consciously say that in our minds, but our actions prove that. God, I know that you have brought me through, these, through this, this time, but, but man, I don't know. This, this time right now is really, really hard. I, I, I'm even beginning to wonder if you're even, even up there looking at me, worried about me, concerned about my well-being. Peter did the same thing. Again, it should have been enough for him 
when he said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. It should have been enough. But he needed more proof. And yet, the one who, as we have, have seen and read, the one who has compassion on his people, the one who has the ultimate authority over the wind and the waves over all of creation, if you ever doubt that God is God overall, go back and read that Old Testament text that we had this morning from Job. Wow! Just very quickly, Job has had a really, really, really bad time of it. Imagine your worst day. Imagine the worst day that, that, that you've ever had in your entire life. And then Im imagine that after you pray to God, imagine that God's response to you is, who do you think you are? That was God's response to Job. Who do you think you are? Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you walked in the recesses of the deep? Who do you think you are? God's response to Job, God's, re re God's response to us is not to, is not a, um, well, it is a rebuke. But the purpose of that rebuke is to point us back to trust in him. I take care, Jesus said the exact same, same thing once. He said, I take care of the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. And aren't you much more important than they are? We need the one who has had the compassion on us, who has the authority to immediately reach out his hand and pick us up and pull us out of whatever mess that we find ourselves in. And when we do, when we look to Jesus, when we look to him for everything that we need to support this body and life, when we look to him, we learn just how compassionate, number one, that he is, just like we learned about, and we learned about just how much authority, the ultimate authority that he is and the authority that he has. Now, the question that I want to answer is, and it was the same question that I asked myself as I was preparing this message, and that question is this, what difference does it make? What difference does the authority of Jesus in my life make? And here's what I came up with. The difference that the, uh, that the authority of Jesus makes in my life and in our lives is the authority to save someone who is on their deathbed, who has never believed in him ever. As a matter of fact, has rejected him his or her entire life. And then finally, when the end is near, they cry out to God just like Peter did. And Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and he saves them. That is scandalous. That makes absolutely zero sense to many of us. But that is the mercy and the gospel of Christ. The instant that you cry out to him, he saves you immediately. What difference does the authority make? Well, the authority to make a promise and to keep it. 
the last words that Jesus gives to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew is what? And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so what does he give us to prove that? Number one, he gives us this gathering, this church, this body of believers. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. He gives us his sacrament, his very body and blood to eat and to drink, to prove to you his promise. Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. What difference does the, does the authority of Christ make? It is the authority to claim that he is God Almighty and none other. We just talked about that in Job who walked in the recesses of the deep, who knows how far it is from the North Pole to the South Pole, who knows the exact measurements and the foundations of the earth. Did you know that the earth sits on an axis? That if it is off by, I don't remember what exact number it is, but if it is off by like .0001%, the entire thing goes, and we're all dead? the one who has the authority over creation, the one who is God Almighty and none other. What difference does the authority of Christ make? The authority to save us when we doubt and when we lose faith, which you and I do often, even after he has proved to us so many times how he has been with us. And yet, he saves Peter, His faith, who by that time, if there was anything smaller than a mustard seed, that was probably Peter's at that particular point in time when he is sinking in the sea. Lord, save me. And he reaches out his hand and he saves him. Same thing happens to us when we doubt and when we lose faith. Why? Because he is compassionate. And finally, what difference does the authority of Christ make? the authority that in the courtroom that you found yourself in, with you as the defendant, God the Father as the judge, Satan as the prosecuting attorney, who goes before God the Father and has your rap sheet and he puts it in front of him and says, here, there is no way that this person deserves everlasting life. There is no way. Look at every, every thought that they have ever thought, every action that they have ever done. Look at everything that they have done. But the one who has authority is your defense attorney. And all he has to show the Father is the cross. And very simply he says, but I paid for it. They are declared righteous. The Apostle Paul says they are declared justified. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The word justified, to be declared innocent. You and I, because of the death of Christ, because he has the authority over all of creation, he has the authority over your sin and mine, we are declared innocent of all of it of every single bad thought that we have had, every single evil action that we have ever done. We are declared innocent of it because he 
has the ultimate compassion for us, and he is the one who has the authority to make it so. And only he. Again, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have tried to self-justify yourself? We've all done it. Your spouse comes up to you and says, you know what, you really, really hurt me then, and then what is your immediate reaction? I know what mine oftentimes is. Yeah, but what about this other stuff that I've done? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We need the one who has the ultimate authority to say that you are declared innocent. No questions asked. No bones about it. That's why Paul, in the epistle text, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't give any, there's not an appendix to it, there's not more explanation to it. He simply says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus is saved. Period. No ifs, ands, or buts. They are saved. We are saved because Jesus, the one who has authority over everything, the one who has authority over the wind and the waves, the one who could very easily reach out his hand and save Peter, is the same one who saves us day after day after day. And he will continue to do that until there is no longer any need to do it. When on the final day, he will return. And he will take all of us whom, whom he has saved, whom he has given his perfect righteousness to, with us to himself in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now confess together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Apostles' Creed. It is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. this time, we will uh, talk about the different ways that you can continue to give your offering and your tithe to our church. The first way is to drop it off uh, in the offering basket that is in the narthex in the back of the church here. The second way is to go to the website, that is trinity1874.com, and click on the donate button that is in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, the next way is to either drop your offering or your tithe off at the church office during a week, or you may mail it into the church office as well. Please stand as we sing the offertory. <clears throat>
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Father, we give you thanks for this day and giving us this time to worship you. As the beautiful sunrise this morning signals a new day in our lives and your refreshing word gives us the strength to live a life filled with joy and hope. Remind us this week when we find ourselves in life's storms that you are always with us. Strengthen our faith so that we will not worry, but rather put our trust in you. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, with whom all things are possible, hear our prayer for those who are dealing with illness, those who are hospitalized, those recovering, those who are struggling emotionally or spiritually. This morning we lift up to you all those on our health list, Melba, Landreth, Carol, Ethel, Joan, Steve, Becky, Bob Curtis, Bob Dodson, Bob Yelinek, Kara Degan, Emma Conklin, Wayne, Rosemarie, John Alexander, Debbie, Mary, Lisa, Joe, Judy, Louise, Dana, Florine, Sherry, Fawn, Hunter, Marilyn, Police Officer Mark Preby, Heather Preby, Deborah, Ross, Bonnie, Rob Kruger. All of these, Lord, we lift up to you, as well as those we now name in our hearts. Lord, you are our very present help in trouble. We know you can heal. Your grace can restore health and give strength to carry on. Remove the worries and anxious fears that would seek to crush us during this time of need. Comfort all who suffer. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for all the brave men and women who serve in the military. We think of all first responders, police, fire, and emergency personnel as they answer the call for help. Father, we pray that you will watch over them, protect them against all harm. It is at these times that we remember to give you thanks for those who serve to protect us. Strengthen and encourage them all so they can remain strong and courageous. Lord, in your mercy. Father of all grace and mercy, while we see and hear of all the national crises, you remind us that all things will work for your good. We wish to give you thanks for the recent financial grant awarded to our school. As we get closer to the first day of school, be with the students and keep them healthy. Bless our teachers and staff as they make preparations to begin this new academic year. Give us the wisdom to use this financial grant in ways that will advance the education and safety of all, in ways that will glorify your name. Lord, in your mercy. And finally, Lord, we offer up a special prayer for this congregation of yours. As you continue to bless us, keep us focused on what's most important in our lives. Give us a fuller measure of faith and promise of your word. Grant that we may live trustingly one day at a time, knowing that you will not fail us, that you are in control of all things. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Receive the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace.
we sing our closing hymn, Earth and All Stars, number 817, verses 4, 6, and 7. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is truly meet right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who, out of love for his fallen creation, humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient unto death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing.
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord's Supper is God's gift for Christians who are properly taught. In communion, we want people to receive Christ's body and blood for their good. This means that as you come to the Lord's table, you affirm that Jesus is your Savior and Lord, and with Lutheran Christians, you confess. I recognize and confess that I am a sinner. I repent of my sin and ask God's forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is my only Lord and Savior from sin, Satan, and death. I believe that the risen Christ is really present in the sacrament, and under the form of the bread and wine, I receive his true body and blood for the forgiveness of my sin and the strengthening of my faith and life. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also we took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with us next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to listen by means of this broadcast on www.freistatradio.com. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Darren Shane.